You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Kiama LGA Matters, where we discuss the current issues that you want to know about happening in your local government area. Kiama Council's new Chief Executive Officer, Jane Stroud, dropped into Tuesday's Central Precinct meeting to introduce herself. The meeting was via Zoom due to COVID restrictions, and there were between 20 and 30 people attending. The meeting was chaired by the President of the KCP, Mark Greaves. Now, Jane, um, first of all, welcome to your first Kiama Central Precinct meeting. Uh, Many of our members haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet, so perhaps could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your family, why you're here, what you'd like to do, that sort of stuff? Uh, Look, professionally, I've joined Kiama Council from, uh, I come from Queensland, so I've relocated to New South Wales with my family. My husband also works in local government and we've, I've worked in local government for over 23 years now in a really wide range of roles, strategic planning, major projects, director of innovation, city transformation, smart city stuff, community services, community background, like, you know, community cultural services, as well as um, development assessment and strategic planning for a long time. And um, I left a council called Southern Downs Regional Council. So if you've ever been to Warwick or Stanthorpe, right on the border of New South Wales and Queensland, that's where I have been for a little while, which was really interesting for me. I worked in um, five of southeast Queensland's biggest councils, so employee bases of well over 2,000, and uh, then went to a really small, quite agricultural council in Southern Downs with around about 400 employees. So it was a really different experience to go from large country towns to very small towns. Interesting, but also insightful. I uh, happened to be the acting CEO there when we ran out of water, literally for a township of five and a half, six and a half thousand, actually, and trucked water for 18 months. So in Queensland, you manage water, sewer, and um, yeah, really learnt the value of, well, climate change, actually, but our council were not climate change inclined. <laughs> So, and I guess um, many of you will have read in the papers, uh, I've joined council at a really interesting moment in its history. Um, Your council and my council has some really unique and really different attributes. We're Australia's biggest provider of aged care services and um, off the back of the Royal Commission, that comes with some really acute responsibilities. In addition to that, there's the actual council side proper and... Hmm. We have a lot of staff who have been with us for a really long time and who do a wonderful job. And I think it's probably fair to say that the organisation needs a whole lot of love and care and a whole heap of governance. It's probably the best way I can sum that up. And I'm happy to take any questions that you might have. Questions from out there? Okay. Well, um, Jane, welcome to uh, the lovely South Coast. My name is Janet Janet. Peters. I'm the Vice President of the Kaima Central Precinct and the Secretary of the Kaima Heights Resident Group. So we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, but um, I've heard lots about you, so I'm very excited. (laughs) Probably a bit of a random question, but what attracted you to Kaima, you know, from Queensland? Why now? Why this? Well, look, my husband was actually born in Manly. I have a sister who lives in Sydney, and... 
previously worked in coastal councils, so I have to admit when I arrived in Kayama, um, it looked a lot like, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Moffat Beach in Queensland on the sunny coast, it looked a lot like that. Um, and I, as I said, I acted in the acting CEO role at Southern Downs for a really long time and came second for that role. And for me, it was really time to kind of branch out and do something different. And professionally, I'd never worked outside of Queensland. So living somewhere where I could stretch myself, stretch my knowledge of local government, which in one state is pretty good, but in another state has different legislation, different requirements. And I'm enjoying that challenge. It is a bit same-sames but different. You tend to have different departments, different names for things, very similar processes. And I was really interested in the blend of aged care. And like I said, I have little tiny twins, so I was really keen to settle them into a school. And they go to St Peter's and Paul's, which is right on the beach, and I think they're incredibly lucky to do so. Are they boy and girl twins? Girl and they girl are, yeah, boy and girl twins, yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, hello, Karen Rankamalang. Um, we haven't met. I have heard a lot about you and um, everyone's paying attention. You're doing a lot of good things already. Uh, so thank you and, and, and welcome. Thank you. Uh, I, I'd actually like to ask a question, just expanding on what you were just talking about. It seemed to me that there might be some well, quite significant cultural differences between Queensland coastal towns and Kiama. Have you got any observations so far on what the challenges might be there? Um, so there's been a lot of things that I've found that are very similar to when I worked at Caloundra and Marucci back before amalgamations, mm -hmm. quite distinct both coastal and then hinterland communities. Um, so Caloundra, for example, many of you will be familiar with Mulaney, which has a really strong character, sense of identity. And the coastal communities in Caloundra are extremely committed to looking after their foreshores, their environment, really quite passionate about it. A um, little bit different here because the pace of development in southeast Queensland is mm, second to none in Australia. So the pace of development here is quite different. <laughs> right. And I also find it different that people are really engaged in the planning process much more so than um, some pockets of Queensland, not all pockets. <laughs> but, yeah, it is interesting. So there are lots of similarities but lots of differences as well. Probably the biggest difference I'm really finding is that in those other councils where I've been, we've had much larger rate bases. And the most profound difference is the rate pegging that New South Wales has, which is actually quite different from Queensland. Any other questions for Jane? I, I, I have a couple, but I'm happy to take other questions from members out there. Look, probably just one very polite but tentative question. We are a subset of the Kaima Central Precinct and we have attempted to meet with you and have not had any success so far. I'm imagining that your days are pretty full, but, you know, what is the secret to um, <laughs> catching up with you for half an hour? Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, it's not been a normal start for me at a council. Normally I would do CEO listening posts and go and hang out in the community halls and meet people and have a cup of coffee and just sit there for half a day on a Friday and let folks wander in and come and talk to me. But with COVID, I really have not been able to do that and there have been a huge number of fast-paced and really hard work at council for the first couple of weeks. 
so all I can say is that I'm happy to talk to Kathy and try and tee up a Zoom meeting um, <laughs> and just extend my apologies because it's not quite been the engaged approach I would have normally done and would have preferred. Thank so you. my apologies for that. Yeah, no problem. We'll, we'll catch up with Kathy. Um, Jane, maybe if I could talk to you about Blue Haven. Uh, and before you do, there's a hand up. Okay, take that first. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jane. Sorry. I, I was very interested in in what was uh, in the bugle about um, budget processes. <laughs> you know, I spent a few years in in business before I retired, and um, the impression that I got from what was written was the department heads had little or no control over their budgets. In fact, no, virtually no input into their budgets. Mm-hmm. Is that impression correct? Uh, well, I wouldn't say that. Well, I would. Yeah, they had really limited input. Um, and so department heads are probably what I would describe as third line managers. And then there are directors. And then there is my role. And it, it is fair to say that there has been previously very constrained and limited access to the budget build and to the budget process. Right. Okay. You're intending to change that, I gather. Yeah, I pretty much have already. So I've run all the managers. Thank you for that. I'm very pleased to hear that. Very pleased. Thank you. Yep. KCR, KiamaCommunityRadio.org. Thank you. Uh, Jane, can we talk about Blue Haven and Bonera? You just hinted at the issue that there aren't that many councils in Australia that provide aged care services. And in fact, Kiama Council is the largest provider of aged care services in the country. As a council, the approximate head count for Blue Haven and Bonera is about 200 people. And, about 230, yeah. Uh, including part-timers, I guess. And multi-tens of millions of dollars coming in and going out all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was really pleased to see that you're in the process of appointing a chief operating officer, mm. which is a, a role just to run those two organisations. And you're going to back that up with a Section 355 committee uh, called the Blue Haven Advisory Board. So congratulations on that. That's uh, exactly where I think we need to go. Given that that every resident and ratepayer in Kiama LGA has significant skin in the game, how do we make sure that there is always a great service delivered to the residents of the aged care facilities? but at the same time that we do it from a financial sustainable process. Mm. Yeah, look, Mark, um, my point of view with the aged care facility is that there's nothing more important than looking after our elderly. So the aged care sector has really strict and stringent legislation, quite controlled compliance, really quite intense auditing and reporting. And we're doing a really good job of that, but it's never been more important off the back of the Royal Commission. So for me, care comes first at all times, but care also has to be appropriately delivered and measured and costed because we are running a business, not a charity. It is always a fine balance of market positioning and quality of care. Okay. There's a lot of concern within the community that Bonera in particular appeared. It's a big institution. People hear that there was cost overruns in the construction of it. Is there any way of looking at the financial modelling and the business planning that was done when that project was initiated? 
Um, and look, you you will have to forgive me. I don't know the ins and outs of all of their financial modelling for that particular project. Um, all of you will have probably read, and if you haven't, please feel free. Um, and I'm happy to send it to the group. Uh, I put up a report to council in partnership with my CFO around council's um, financial sustainability and its long-term financial position because there is nothing more important to me. I have a vested interest, obviously, but my interest also stems on behalf of 500 staff who fought really hard to maintain council and that is my priority. So pretty much leaving no stone unturned when it comes to the financial review of council. Hmm. Yeah. And look, you know, I think it's fair to say that we will find issues. We will. So, and then it becomes, well, what's, how do we work together to overcome those? Okay. Uh, while I've got you, and I know you've got kids to put to bed and that sort of thing, I'm sure, there are lots of subcommittees in council. I've got a list of 22 here. I won't read them all out. <laughs> but these are all manned by uh, not just councillors, but, but but people from within the community that have that give their give their time and their effort to providing those, uh, those those committees. But we often don't see the real value of what they do within those within those committees. And is there a better way for those? committees to be set up, to run, and to get recommendations through the council? Uh, yep. So I completely agree, and it's not something I'm going to tackle with this council because we have what we have. Yep. So probably what I will do is put up a review to this elected group. Uh, so at my last count, I counted 34. Internally, right. I called a meeting of all the people who provide minutes or secretariat support. So that is a huge investment of officer time. It's about 10% of our organisation working to maintain committees. I'm a little bit confused about how they all report. Some of them think that they're a board. Some think they're a 355. There's a wide range of quality of material that comes out and then gets reported to council. Um, and it's a very retrospective process. Basically, it's the sending of minutes in the same way that yours get put up to council. So there's very little ebb and flow or discussion between groups and councillors. So it doesn't particularly make for a very engaging forum. And I'm sure for the community that probably feels like something that's not very genuine and not a great way to be heard. And certainly for the councillors, I'm sure it feels exactly the same. So I'm very keen to kind of change that around, have a look at the calendar, make sure that there's times where um, groups can actually come in and present to the elected reps on their point of view and whatever their particular issues and matters are. And I'm also really looking at the terms of reference, consistency in the minutes and the flow of information up to council because at this stage it's a little bit all over the shop. Okay. Okay. And just to clarify that, Jane, so what is the procedure when council goes into prorogue in in November, do those committees get depopulated and then they get repopulated? Is that how yep. it works? Yep, that is exactly how it should work. So all committees should fall away at the end of the council tenure and then usually it's done at the first or the second council meeting where you would have a list of groups and then councillors nominate for attendance or participation in those groups and they all get put up in a report. So can I just clarify, is council prorogued or is it just in the caretaker mode? Uh, we will at some stage move into caretaker mode. Does that mean that all items of business are closed off and you have to start again? Because that's what proroguing is. 
No, caretaker has again. really specific provisions. It's, there's a regulation and there's a section of the Act that deals with caretaker provisions. And in essence, all the work of council continues with the exception of financial commitments that tether another council or policy. That work ceases. So if there are decisions of council that have been made, they bind the next council? Yep. Great. Thanks. I've got one last quick question, Jane, that you might like to comment on, and that's the from the last council meeting in July. Yep. Um, you put a recommendation to council, which was unanimously supported, and that was to have an independent financial review of um, council's processes. Your comments on that? I mean, you must be pleased to have that through. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'm um, very happy with that. I think you've got two councillors online who are very supportive of that as well. All the councillors were, so I can't complain in that regard. It's really important. I'm um, completely uninterested in the attribution of blame. I'm specifically interested in improvement in processes and setting us up for a better outcome. And what I am interested in doing is creating a budget process that is both trusted and transparent. And that starts with staff, goes to council and goes back and forth to the community. And like I said, I think we've got some good hard yards to do on governance and to improve the way that we manage our finances. We just do. Mm-hmm. And there's okay. no, you know, there's no need to pretty that up for anyone. I think there needs to be quite good, robust discussions with the community about living within our means and the level of service and what we're actually in the business of providing. Okay. Jane, I've just got, got one other question for you before we let you go off and put those, those two kids to bed. Yeah. The, the other thing that was passed at last Tuesday night's meeting was your idea for a an expert community peer group review. Yeah. Just like to explain that to the members and, and how you think that will work and why is it worthy? Yep. So there are two parts to the financial review. One is looking backwards for the last five years, specifically around decision-making and process. And for me, what I'm interested in is delegation and policy in that process. Policy is what's set by council. Delegation is what's enacted by us. So that's really fundamental for me. But then pitching forward, the other component is uh, a peer review so that we can actually get expert eyes over what we're proposing because we have sort of eight key strategies. We've got a bit of a working draft but we actually want to sit down with both community members and um, have a facilitated discussion so that we can get some rigour to that. Um, and it's that it's that classic thing of, you know, many heads um, and many hands make light work and sometimes external ideas are really good. Thanks, Shane. And, look, uh, that step towards a better communication process is very welcome here, and I'm sure you'll get a lot of lot of support from people out there in the community, smart people, people with good experience and, and the scars to show it. Mm. Uh, we'll be more than welcome to help you through those processes. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thanks, Jane. You're welcome to stay on, but um, I understand if you need to. Yeah, <laughs> but what I will say is, first of all, I hope lockdown ends and life goes back to normal, and I'm looking forward to doing the CEO listening posts and. Um, Please don't be a stranger. If you've got an email, if you've got a question, feel free to send it to me. Um, I will return calls. I will return your emails and I'm happy to do so. 
And if I can find a few minutes in my diary to catch up with you all and meet you, I'm more than happy to do that too. It's a real privilege for me to be here and I'm thankful for all of your input and look forward to meeting you down the track off this kind of screen environment. Exactly. Thanks, Jane. We appreciate your time. My name is Madeleine and join us next time because Kayama LGA matters. You've been listening to Kayama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kaima Community Radio.